0: back to Bring It In. My name is Abigail Smithson, and I am guest hosting today's show. And I'm here with Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. So, hello to you both, and thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. We're very excited that you're here. It's kind of strange, Coach, right? Being on being on the other side, although not for you, because you're always on this side. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, all good. No, I'm excited about this. It's uh, <laughs> a different. A different look is always good, or a different sound, anyway. And we're gonna get smarter. I know that I'm confident <laughs> for sure. That.
0: Me too. Um, and I have to say that I'm used to hearing your voices in my headphones, but I'm not used to having you speaking directly to me through my headphones, because this is very thrilling that that's what's happening. Um, and for all of you listeners out there, a little bit about me. I am an artist and professor who loves basketball, and much of my artwork is made in response to the game. The basketball art scene has really exploded in the past few years, although many artists have been making work about basketball and sports generally for much longer than that. Um, And there have been many art and sports themed exhibitions, books and events, which coincides with athletes also sharing about their art collections publicly and their creative pursuits outside of basketball. And via my own podcast, Dear Adam Silver, which is a big part of my practice, I try to highlight the work of other artists, researchers, and writers who are engaged with sports in creative ways. These conversations prove fruitful for a more expansive understanding of how sports function and what draws people in as fans and critics. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to be here with you all is that I often feel like I'm talking to other artists. And of course, the term artist can be used in different ways, but I'm so excited to be in a... Sort of basketball centric space that is focused on the game often and getting to share some of these ideas and unpack some of this work with you. So again, um, thank you so much for having me. Um,
1: well, thank you for being. We're excited, right, Coach?
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. There's. Uh, I'm always curious. You know the different ways. You know basketball has been feeding my family since I didn't have a family, <laughs> and uh, it's. It's. I'm. I'm kind of coach centric and player centric and x and o centric but i did write a book I, I do read lots of different publications regarding basketball and you know i probably listen to five to seven podcasts a week mostly about basketball uh but i do some politics stuff too and so abigail you bring such a, a fresh perspective for for an old timer like me that's just an old ball coach and uh yeah it, it helps keep me young trying other things is uh, is good for me
1: did you did you see did you notice Abigail how we threw in an old ball coach like that's that's his University of Florida roots right that's that's good old head coach Steve Serp earlier I'm just an old ball coach see You're yeah one yeah. never make that connection Daniel I mean come on I I I know what's happening here <laughs>
0: yeah and I mean I think that there's a lot of room for um, crossover I mean I really enjoy the X's and O's and kind of those sort of technical breakdowns that you um, bring to the conversation Coach Thorpe and how that sort of works and that's really um, educational for me. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest stats person. <laughs> like, I like Kirk Goldsbury's um, maps yes. are so beautiful and <laughs> he's been on the pod to unpack those yep. as kind of like individual pieces and thinking about those as visuals. Um, but I sometimes parts of my brain when we get too far into stats, I'm like, this is the part of my brain that like, you know, I was told, you know, or I knew I was bad at math from a really young age and like, this is kind of <laughs> is, um, you know, manifesting itself now. But I think that like the idea, you know, the basketball is jazz ideas and and things like that have really um, sort of those concepts, I think, really can translate into an artistic practice and how that functions as well.
2: Yeah, well, uh, in my book, which I don't recommend unless you actually are playing basketball, have a child that plays basketball or want to get a coaching, but I do have a chapter called The Scientist First the Artist. Because it's a big part of what I'm when I'm working with players I have the scientific brain which is the the over analytical player that just just can't get past any mistake he makes uh, uh and wants to fix it all the time and then I have the artist brain which has a much more uh you know I, I don't know I don't know which side of the brain you would probably say right brain but just much more of just feeling it and focused on the feel part of mm-hmm. it one of what of a An agent that I talked about said, you know, one of his great players, who's a really special player, plays basketball the way a Brazilian soccer player would play soccer. It's just all feel. They don't want to get too caught up in the weeds. And then I'm lucky enough to have players that are both uh, uh, science and artist brains. So I've been messing with this for decades, the, the artistic side of things and trying to get them a little more locked into the scientific part and vice versa.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm thinking about the shot that John Morant made earlier this year when Stephen Adams threw the ball in like the full court, and it was like that last minute shot. You know, when there was, you know, he had no business making that shot, and had no business going in. But this, those decisions that that are made following kind of your intuition or what you sort of think um, might be possible, I think, is something that directly translates into art because that could have easily been amiss and, and, you know, walking away from that. And so I remember watching that, um, that clip with other professors, like uh, on my floor and being like, this is creative genius, you know, (laughs) thinking about how all these things, I mean, that they practice and and these players practice and break down over and over again, but in the moment, deciding how you're going to do this is really an incredible thing to witness.
1: So that's, that's sort of like to coach's point, right? The best players are both sides of that, right? In that moment, The science, right, is in all the practice and work I do and say, okay, this can be done, but right ahead of time, but in the moment, that's the artistry, right? That's the creativity, like, all right, we're just going to, I'm going to do this because we want to make, we want to try to get this shot off. And I have belief in myself as an artist that I can pull this off, right? Because that is, that is what artists have to believe. They can actually create something that will work.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and oftentimes not working as well. So, like, I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. you see some of the things that end up on people's websites, and not all the the things that, you know, <laughs> the practice <laughs> essentially, or what ends up being practice. Yeah. So that's perfect. I think,
2: I think artists. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not artistic at all. I have zero talent, and and my wife and kids are, are equally, uh, uh, untalented in that field. But my general my general experience with the more artistic kind of players is. They don't get too caught up in misses. This is where I really have problems with my more scientific focus, guys, is uh, they do get caught up. And and really, it's it's almost ironic because the really good shooter who's got the science brain should be able to do the math. As I always tell them, if we're flipping coins and Tails gets on a 10-0 streak, Heads is never worried. Mm -hmm. It knows its day is coming. But they can't do that. They they just so they're not thinking about the odds of making the next shot cuz they've missed the last five they're focused on what's wrong everything feels right why am i missing the artist as long as it feels good they're not worried they know they know they're 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 very good at what they do they know they're talented now they have some other problems like for example when things stop working they they're out of ideas that's where they've got to start being okay i tried this and this he defended it well but now i should probably try this as a counter so the more gifted ones keep having options. The less gifted ones, You've, when you talk about intuition, Abigail, we, we learn intuition, right? I, instinct isn't just born. We, we're, we develop it. We're, we're not afraid of fire when we're born, right? We, we love to eat donuts every day. Our instinct is to grab the donut, but we change that instinct. So in co- as what we do as coaches. As coaches, we're teaching instinct all the time. I almost named my book Teaching Instinct because that really is what the game is. There's some players who are so naturally gifted, you can see it. But then as they bubble up, past high school, past college, to get to the NBA, and what they've always done isn't nearly as successful. If they don't learn some new things, they're in trouble. And so – or they're out of the league. They'll go to Europe or whatever. So that's what we have to do is we have to take that, that piece of clay that's always been successful and mold it into something different that can continue to evolve in the best league in the
1: world.
0: Absolutely.
1: I love that. Yes. Oh, Trot. No, no. I, I, w- as soon as Coach said – the, the the scientist worries about oh my god i've everything feels right and but i'm, I'm missing it made me think of harrison barnes right yeah he's so gifted and talented but it's the, the science stops him right like he can't get past it whereas his old teammate steph curry some science but also some artists right sure. this year was a poor three-point shooting year by his standards right 38 for anybody else is excellent for him poor but yeah. still very good yeah in the finals however 43 percent right like and so it's this thing where it's like it'll come back around I know I'll make them the artist the
2: artist isn't worried right right the artist isn't worried (laughs) right
0: and when you see him I mean you know the whole crowd is holding their breath (gasps) we're about to see this art we're about to see this thing happen in front of us and witness this you know event that we'll tell our grandkids about or whatever it is and he misses it Over and over again. And he just keeps shooting. And and it's just... Even just thinking about the finals this year. And I have to say that I am a Warriors fan. I grew up in the Bay Area. So this is like very close to home (laughs) with his shooting. And when he comes back. And like, you know, how effective that is. Um, But that that like he had that f- fantastic game of like 46 points or whatever this is the game four and then like game five he's not <laughs> shooting well and it's just like what is possible it's possible for him to do this and it's possible for him to do it again and that is like the thrill of, of watching uh, even though if you see a lot of misses uh, you might you know forget what it looked <laughs> like the game before it's still so exciting because we believe that it's possible
2: well, they and they believe it too. That's that's yes, the key, yes, the yes. artist. That's why that's why I said the artist never worries. They, the artist never worries until they just stop having success. And that's the, again, that's where we have to come in as coaches. And there's just not a lot of us. There's a, there's a lot of coaches who don't really see it. Uh, if you can't succeed well, i will bring in someone else. And those players drop out of the NBA. The guys that have always been successful and just stop being successful. Every every NBA player that no longer is successful after year one, year two, year three. They've had tons of success to that point. They wouldn't be in the NBA otherwise. And something is going on to prevent them from, from continuing to grow in the league. And no one is able to address it with them or no one does. And the player can't do it himself and he's gone. And that's where, that's where they end up going to Europe. So that's to me, that's what I've always seen is my job is to, is to help them kind of find that artist again. And if they're super scientific based to to get them to plug into that and uh stop putting so much judgment for example so much value in any one play right the the idea is to get if it feels good uh, we say this to players all the time uh they might miss a shot did it feel good yeah then move on like that's your job it's just it's just really hard to make every shot or half your shots and you're guarded well or whatever dribbling whatever like you have to you just have to walk that balance but what I what I like about what you're doing, Abigail, and I, I saw I haven't listened to the one with Kirk yet. I'm going to. I bought Kirk's book. I don't I don't buy many basketball books anymore because I have a pretty high standard, and most of <laughs> them probably wouldn't reach it. And none, for me, I'm happy to read them for my son, who's very into basketball. I but I bought Kirk's book immediately because I thought there was such a different way. And I, and as a, I mean, he was maybe 19 when I, when I bought it, mm-hmm. um, he's 21 now. So. Uh, I just, I want him to not be so, he's a science brain, unfortunately. I, the artist brains are much easier to deal with. My son, probably more like me, is, an, is a science brain, and it's much harder. And it, luckily for him, his coaches are working on the artist part of it. You have to feel this game a lot. Not to say that these, the science brains don't feel the game. Of course they do. They just can't get past the analytical aspect of it. Of course they feel it. And they're learning instinct all the time, and they're creating instinct. And reading pick and rolls, for example, is very much science decision-making we i'll give you an example i did a i did a drill with a, a very good player the other day and his one of his team coaches is in town so when that happens i try to step back and just you know offer some thoughts here and there and so we had this player doing all sorts of special dribbling moves while he's walking forward and he's got to when the when the when a coach when he does like this he's got to throw a bounce pass and then he's got to show a chest pass but he's dribbling too. So he's dribbling, passing, dribbling, passing as they're walking up the court. And then I'm behind the coach and I'm holding up a one or a four or a five or a three and he's got to call out. So he's reading my fingers. He's reading the pass that the, the, whatever the pass he gets from the coach, is, he got to do the opposite back. So if he gets a chest pass, he has to throw a bounce pass back all with one hand. He's dribbling with the other. So this is, this is one way we're experimenting with that, that reading aspect of the game but also the artistic part. Uh, It is something teams are addressing all the time. I talked to a coach recently from not a very good team, but a team on the rise, and they brought in a brain coach. In fact, I talked to two teams, neither made the playoffs last year, two different assistant coaches who brought in a brain coach to not just work with players on what I'm talking to you about, which is helping to read and and feel the game at the same time, but also what, what, what what can you do to help them remember better? So what can you do as a coach to get Mm. your, your point stickier in their brain? So brain coaches are, so that's a, that's a great sign. The NBA is aware of that. Like, Hey, we can, we can make our players, we can improve our players, develop our players on that mental side. I think tennis and golf has always done that. I think team sports is coming around on that too.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting to hear you say that the artistic brain is easier for you to work with because I think that my version of coaches or my professors or mentors might say that maybe I am overthinking a few things as well <laughs> within my studio practice. So it is, um, it's is—it's interesting that maybe the way that manifests in basketball could be different, maybe slightly different than how, or just I think maybe in the insular world of art, there is some critique about kind of getting stuck in your own, or this worked for me last time, this is not working for me this time. I mean, I have certainly tried to execute pre- projects that I did in one place and try to apply that even now with being in Belgrade and thinking about when I was in Lithuania and the project that I had there, basketball is different in Serbia. It lives differently in yeah. Belgrade than it does in, in Vilnius and in Konis and in these towns I was in. And so it's like, you can't just, so then of course, when you arrive in a new place, it's like, you got to relearn everything all over again and decide how, you know, you you got to connect the dots again. And so I think that um, mm-hmm. there's some, there's some um, sort of mental hurdles to overcome with that as well.
2: Well, well just Absolutely. real quick, two things on that, uh, Abigail. One would be, uh, the artists that I'm dealing with are already the best in the world. So when I when I was coaching my son through AAU in high school, uh, I, I preferred the science brain much more. They're all they're all a bunch of idiots when they're young. They don't know anything. <laughs> so uh, at least they could remember stuff and apply it. But at the NBA level, the, they're so gifted that they just pick things up so fast. And so as long as they value what you're teaching them, which is part of the job of a, of a teacher is to get them, uh, John Chaney, the former head coach at Temple, one of my, the guys I really kind of respected the most, he always, he wrote a book, Are You Buying What I'm Selling? I think it was called Winning is an Attitude, Are You Buying What I'm Selling? was like the, the undertitle. And um, that was a big thing. So as a coach, we got to get them to buy what we're selling. The artists in the NBA who recognize, I just got to, I'm not as successful as I need to be to get paid more money, so they'll pay attention to the science side, but the art thing is already kind of wrote for them. Yeah. But when you talk about these other countries, that's what really intrigues me. As someone who's, who's coached on three different continents, I, one of the greatest advantages American players have is basketball is jazz to us, to our players. It is much more about feel. Uh, and of course, we're doing skill development, all that too. My experience overseas is that it's been more militaristic, which what I would would say is science-based. And I think that's a problem. I think that's a ceiling in Serbia, in Israel, uh, in Turkey. I've been to a lot of places. Uh, I've not been to Serbia, but I've coached uh, Serbian players. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jokic is an example of how it could be. He's so incredibly artistic. And, And yet I don't think we're doing a great job. Serbia is famous. You may know this. In the basketball world, Abigail, Serbia is famous for ruthless, never-ending, discipline-focused practices. A lot of it is more military, science-based, pound, 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 rule, rules, rules. And I think that suppresses some of the talent mm. that's probably there. That never kind of bubbles up. It's not fun. And, um but that's not just Serbia. Israel, I think, has had a problem with that. When I've been to Turkey, I used to go in the 90s. It's not so safe for me to go there now. Uh, the coaches would... I remember coaches asking me, why do all these players respond to you so well and you don't even speak our language? And I said, because when I'm coaching them, they can tell I like them. Like, I flew across the world to coach them. These are high school kids. You guys drove an hour maybe and you seem angry with them all the time. Like, that isn't how it's supposed to be. And uh, the better coaches, I'm happy to say, I was there in the ni- mid-90s. They're still coaching a lot of my guys. They're like my translators. Now they're major coach in the top leagues there. And I, I think they were the ones that are just more likable. Like it's you're supposed to be liked. You need to be respected, but it's supposed to be fun. That's what we wrote an article the other day about Steph Curry. Steph Curry is joy. He plays with joy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, this is something that we need to tap into more and more. And I think that connects into the art world. I, you're a, you're a your professor. Are you yelling at your students for, for messing up an assignment? I don't think so. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> I'm not yelling. I do try to hold them accountable for what they yeah, say and what they do in response to what they say, which I can't say that all of them want to be held accountable, but they also get to hold me accountable for that as well. I mean, I feel like this is, you know, it's a collaborative experience, but yes, absolutely. The yelling or the um, sort of speaking down to, I mean, I try to, of course, not to any of that. Um, And I mean, I think that like Jokic's passing is like what made me think about Serbia and about basketball here because he's an artist and because it's beautiful and because it's elegant and graceful and delicate and but powerful and strong and like it's all these things. And I've become really sort of focused on the past within my own work as like one of the more exciting parts of the basketball game is the past because I think it's about... Sort of people finding each other and needing help and asking for help and sort of making you know opening yourself up to someone else or um, and I, I, yeah I think I there was a interview that I was listening to a few years back that was like a, a Laker was being interviewed this was when Rondo was on the Lakers and he just said yeah Rondo did a great job of finding us tonight and it was like what a beautiful game that that's that's a part of it that you're finding each other mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I'm I mean I think that. Absolutely, like, and then it's interesting to hear about these other experiences that you've had, coach, with coaching in in Serbia or how basketball functions here, and and that Jokic can be the exception of that because he's he's very much celebrated for those exceptions, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I mean that's his, that's his superpower, right? I mean yeah. his his ability to do that. That is what makes him, as coach says, you know, the best player in the world right now, right? Which, as we talk about, right, that's a moniker that. You know, I feel like you never hold it, hold on to it for a long time, right? You might have it for a week, and someone else <laughs> takes it back for a week, and right. But it's like five dudes who fight each other, right, like all year for who was the best in the world, and it's that. I mean, Jokic for sure, scientist and artist, right? Because one of the things, uh, uh, a term I love using, stealing, is from football, right? When a quarterback throws his receiver open, right? Yeah. So when you look at the field, he's actually not open, but the quarterback mm. throws it to a spot to get him open, right? Jokic does the same thing, right? He passes guys open, right? Because it's like, if someone's glued to you, well, yeah, you're not, that's, you're not open. But here, and those guys who've been playing with them now for the past four years, they know exactly where he's going to throw it. So they move to the spot and get themselves open, right? It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And to watch players sort of master skills, and again, see that scientist and artist player. I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a clip out of Durant working out in LA, like yesterday or today or something and he's working on a new skill right it's dribbling left and into a, a left-handed uh hook in the lane and it's like oh and the guy narrating is like you know he really wanted to work on this skill like and it's like he missed one and i was like yeah but he wasn't happy with it and then like within like two times oh this is how i want it now now it's nothing but net it's perfect it's like to your point coach like these dudes are so good like they know exactly no i just got to change my arm angle i know what i got it's like i, I mean I don't know anything in my life that I problem solved that quickly. I'm sure there's something, but nothing to that. Like, it's amazing how good they are doing these kinds of things.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: this, this is something we deal with all the time. Yeah They, they will tweak their own shot a little bit. Um, they, uh, yeah, they're geniuses. They, 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 the coach wants to empower them to do just that right? You, you feel free to do it your way. If it's going to work, trust yourself. Um, this is another point, Abigail, about some of the European countries. I don't think that happens enough. I think the coaches are, no, you have to do it my way. And again, that's just going to suppress talent. And uh, we, we you, know, your, you know, things like what you're doing, that movement towards recognizing the artistry of the sport uh, is, I think, very helpful.
0: Yes, I think that there is such a, and this happens with both sports and art, but there's so much like, you know, some of my friends that I went to graduate school with, you know, we were all resentful because our studios were right across the street from Tiger Stadium on LSU campus. And so it's like (laughs) all of the money is going there. I mean, all of the money, a lot of the money is being made from there and then it's going in there. So I have to give them credit. And then, you know, our ceilings are leaking and everything's kind of falling apart and stuff.
1: Just give me 10 bucks. That's all. Just $10. <laughs> no, seriously, this is like
0: not that much money. We'll take care of this. Um, but this idea that I think there's this also, like people don't feel welcome in certain spaces. It's like, oh, I don't understand. I don't get these rules. I don't get the rules. I don't know the rules. I don't get them. I don't know what the big deal is with this play that everyone's cheering for or whatever it is. And I think the same thing happens with art where people go into galleries or museums, they don't feel like they get it. Maybe they don't, you know, what, what is this work perhaps responding to, or what movement is it a part of, or something like that. They feel maybe unwelcome because they don't understand. And I think that looking at it from an artistic, looking at, you know, sports from an artistic perspective, you, you can, I mean, I really enjoy the roles and I like knowing them and that helps me understand it. But I also, it enables me when I'm looking at it from an artistic perspective to just say, wow, that was an incredible pass." That was a beautiful action that that human took that they've now contributed to this larger history of passes. And then I get to be a part of that, whether I'm watching, you know, even if I'm watching it on TV and I'm screaming, you know, when Kawhi made his shot against the Sixers, like, mm-hmm. yeah, 2019, 20, yeah, yeah, 2019. And I'm, like, screaming. Yeah. I'm by myself, like, where are the other humans that I can, like, witness this with, you know? It's like like, this is an incredible thing to have seen live, even if there's a, a delay. And so I think that, like, that I want other artists to know that like we, they can also look at this and just think that this is like a pure contribution from this other trained, skilled human who's like offering something to us.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What are totally. some things you teach in your class?
0: Um. Well, so I have a sports and art curriculum that I've developed. I've taught this class once before um, they've invented their own sports. So I think something that's really important to me is that they can understand that like our most established games are changing a lot, that there's rule changes that happen, that they have changed over time since when they were first invented. We are no longer shooting with a peach basket or something like that. We are evolving over time. (laughs) So giving them the opportunity to think, to create a sport, you know, and sometimes also if you change one rule and in previously... Develop sport that changes the game a lot. So thinking about how these few rules really define a sport, you take something. There's no dribbling allowed in basketball now. Okay, so what else is going on? You know, and so that's one of the um, the projects that we do. I also have them look at sort of images of sports, photojournalism. That's uh, sports sports photojournalism that's been made, and they create new images. So like you know, I give them three or four images that um, are iconic in their own way of of great sports moments, and then they kind of have to make collages or a body of work inspired by those um, images I've also this is the last one I've had them compare a great moment in sports with a great or a when I say great I mean like attention um, yeah. a, a moment that got a lot of attention or that changed a celebrated one, yeah. things yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I so mm-hmm. they do like a comparison contrast essay and presentation on that um, one of the most successful ones of those last semester was Duchamp's um, urinal being displayed in Paris in the 1920s, this idea of the ready-made, that if I take this object and put it in a gallery, all of a sudden it's art and it's being defined by, by the space that it's in, to Al- the way that Alan Iverson dressed in the early 2000s and that he changed mm. what was sort of mm-hmm. the, the expectation. And now we have you know a runway for every player coming in with, with yeah, right, their outfits right. being totally celebrated. Um, and so the, the people who or these two people who kind of changed how we understood, the things that they were a part of. And so those are some of the things that I've done in my class. And of course, as we're going into the, the fall semester, which I'm not ready to admit yet, I also um, <laughs> I, I am refining some of those projects as well for this next round.
1: That's,
2: I well, love that. that's great. Amazing. It, it may interest you to know that my, my brothers and a friend and I, have invented our own sport. And it should okay. be in the Olympics. It should be in the Summer Olympics. It is the greatest sport you'll ever play. You want to hear about it?
0: Yes, please. Yeah.
2: So it's, it's, a, it's a spinoff of bocce ball. you ever played bocce ball?
0: No, but I know about it.
2: Like, I think they call it lawn bowling, maybe also, where basically you have, there's a little white ball. Okay. So, now, so you have a little ball and you throw it out there. We call it the P. I have no idea what it's really called. It's a little it's a smaller ball. It's not a marble, but it's like a, it's like a little bigger than a golf ball. And you throw it out. And then I guess on lawns and, and when they play real bocce ball and then you give larger balls that are, again, not as big as bowling balls, but heavy balls. And you roll them in, in bocce ball. And the closest to the little white ball gets a point. And there's all sorts of variations to get more points. And, but the nearest one gets at least one point. So we do that. But we, we live here in Clearwater, so there's a beach right here, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. So we play beach bocce ball. And so at beach bocce <laughs> ball, you've got, if you play near the water, the sand, you can roll because it's tilted and it's hard. And then w- w- where we in Clearwater, you may know, we have like sugar sand. So if you get a little bit away from the water, the, the balls don't roll at all because it's super soft. So And we have some, not hills so much, but we have some mounds. So you can play, we, are, we have mounds, we also have blind throws. So you might throw the pea over the mound where you can't see it. And now you're just throwing blind. And then because we're stupid guys and we do this, we typically are vacationing for the weekend and we'll enjoy some cocktails. So you can't have alcohol legally on the beach here, but we'll have a little pup tent. We don't sleep in the pup tent. We put the booze in the pup tent so you can't see it and then we're drinking actually this is one of the kind of glasses we would use
0: is this what's it keeping like... it from becoming an olympic sport <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I would imagine
1: so this booth. is this no, is the yeah. that that isn't so
2: it we also aim for the girls in the bikinis and the trash cans and the big heavy guy that might want to fight with us cuz you know we're we're guys and i'm am t- telling you it, it, we have 25 30 people at a time will watch us sometimes as they're walking by because it, we're having so much fun and the you know the as the balls will roll a little farther, and so you've got to time up. And any newcomer that comes in thinks they can kill us, we destroy them because we well, we, it's your we know game. the art you of the it up. Exactly, we know <laughs> we rolls. know how the balls roll. Right, we know how the balls roll. Whatever, it is the, the most fun yeah. thing. It it would that blow is... away pickleball. It's the <laughs> way pickleball is. You had, you don't get injured in beach poshi ball. You get injured in pickleball. Anyway,
1: well, maybe maybe you're drinking some. You might get injured in beach poshi ball if you get a little too saucy. That might happen.
2: Yeah, you might get in a fight too. The, the heavy the heavy guy. <laughs> well, that you to gets too close get the to his radio.
1: See, they, they, now, now we're talking, um, Abigail. All the, the art stuff to me. I I want to get into your dear Adam Silver podcast yeah. and particularly how you started with directed pointed letters to Al, to Adam and then it's like things just got more poetic and more artistic as you a, as you went on um the, the journey and impetus around that
0: Yeah thanks for asking that I um so originally I wrote a letter to Adam Silver because he had sent this league-wide memo uh reminding this was in 2017 the fall of 2017 reminding players and team personnel that they had to stand for the national anthem this was right before the season was starting And I felt like maybe there was this missed opportunity, you know, I, I guess as a like very emotional person who likes talking through things and feeling things out, I was like, why can't we just have a conversation about the national anthem and the role that it plays and like, you know, um, why we're doing this for every game and what, what purpose this has, Um, you know, in sort of the longevity of basketball. Um, And so I thought that maybe he could have handled that differently. And this was right after uh, the Warriors had refused to go to the White House. Um, And so I felt like there was this moment here for like, we don't, we're not following the way things have The things don't have to be a certain way. So I wrote him this letter that was kind of like, I'm a basketball fan. Um, I love the game. I, you know, I've been making work about it for a couple of years. And, um, but, you know, I think that there's basketball can be this beautiful sort of entity that changes over time and, and not one part of it has to maybe stay the same always um, including this. And, and maybe there's this time to, to rethink. Um, but then I started writing these letters, as you said, Gerard, that were more poetic and that got into like things that, you um, you know, I I had taken this sort of pilgrimage. I I I'm really interested in like traveling for basketball, even though I know that basketball players are, are having to travel a lot. But I like the idea of kind of like taking these pilgrimages to like places that where basketball is important or has a role. Um so I had gone to Michael Jordan's hometown um, and decided that I want to to follow his commute from what was his home to his high school, which he would have taken this commute every day. And I have to also say that when I was eight years old, I wanted to marry my Michael Jordan, I and I wanted to, to be him as well, you know. Like I wanted, I wanted everything. I was very confused, but I knew that I he was he was just a really you know incredible human. Um, and of course, I've you know, there's been a lot that I've learned since, and that that was very uh, young. And but, anyways, I think that it's just like marking these places where like basketball has come out of in this strong way. So I wrote to Adam Silver about my experience and. Michael Jordan's hometown, where like the highway is called Michael Jordan Highway when you're driving into Wilmington, North Carolina. But, you know, as soon as you get off the highway, there's just a line of Confederate statues, just like in Richmond, Virginia, just a whole line of them. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about, oh, like this, like noticing these things, just like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like even in, in now that I'm in Belgrade, like it's not my job to like, you know, join in in every pickup game necessarily to understand basketball, <laughs> but it is my job to like notice how basketball exists here and what else exists here in relationship to it. And how can I kind of like collect that, that data? Um, So yes, Adam Silver, I was just writing to him about different experiences that I was having and about my mother. Um, She has a a, um, artificial valve in her heart and I can hear her heart Mm. beating when I'm with her and it's quiet. I can hear it ticking. And so I just decided to send a letter about that to Adam Silver. I mean, I don't need to like, you know, thinking about the the, the beating of the basketball on the court and that how that is its own rhythm and connecting those two things. Um, Anyway, so yes, I wrote him these letters and then um, I had been really interested in podcasting for a while and thinking about, uh, you know, I was never, I've not been the best blog follower always because I I like podcasts because you can really like do other things and take in information. It can be a very active listening experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So... You know, I sent my letters to Adam Silver and I also decided that, like, I wanted to have a podcast and maybe this podcast would be another form of this letter. And, like, the whole podcast would just be this ongoing sort of letter to Adam Silver to just think about some of these ideas that I feel like, you know, everyone, a lot of the people that have been on the podcast are, like, pushing past these sort of surface takes or... um, Our understandings of sports and I've learned so much from all of my guests and like I want to shout out the the amazing artists and and everybody that has been doing such incredible work so yeah it's I've done 80 episodes I have to say that like I, I want, I'm, I like bantering, and um, so I'm, I'm, like, very much on the, on the lookout for a co-host for the podcast to banter with uh, and to experience that with, because, like, I think, you know, it's nice to have, as, as um, we were discussing, Gerard, earlier, that it's nice to have, like, just um, familiarity, and it's, if I'm interviewing new people all the time, it's hard to build, like, that familiarity that people come back to, or it's, like, they, they want to hear what you think, so um, anyways... That's that's the podcast, and it's been a really um, interesting experience. I did hear back from uh, Bill of NBA Fan Relations from my letters, who said, <laughs> "Hey, Adam Silver is like he's doing. He's got a lot on his plate, essentially. I mean, basically, he said like." Adam Silver works with players to, like, identify issues of, like, social justice and things like that in their, where, where they're focused and he supports them. And, like, this rule has been in place since 1982 and blah, 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 which I think that, like, the worst excuse for having a rule is that it's been around for a while. Um, I fake? have to say mostly, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, actually, well, the Supreme Court is kind of proving me wrong on a few yeah. things right now. <laughs> but we don't have to get into that. But I'm just, I just think that I was like, Bill, this is not this is not a legitimate argument. You can do better, you know? Um, so I think that that's, um, you know, and I've read Bill's letter on the podcast and that actually like this um, this other artist, uh, Blake Gillespie, he came on the podcast uh, during the, at the, in the early stages of the pandemic when all of the hoops yeah. had been taken off the backboards, but he had yet to, um, but the NBA was starting back up again, but the hoops were still off of these like public spaces. And so he wrote this letter to Adam Silver being like, don't let professional basketball start up until every hoop. Is back in place on these courts. And so he came on the pod and like read his letter to Adam Silver. And so it's just been really nice seeing how, um, you know, they can change in different ways. And sometimes I I can sort of like plan things out, but also people are responding to things in real time in their own ways. And that's really magical to be a part of.
1: What I find interesting about that is at the end of the day, whether you write a letter, or you create something more artistic in, in in its endeavor, you're trying to change hearts and minds, right? You just said, Abigail, the whole point is, the worst thing is like, it's a rule we've always had, right? I always say, and Coach Thorpe knows this, the worst phrase in the English language is, well, that's how all, we've always done things. It's like, yeah, well, perhaps we should do things differently, right? And things might actually end up being different. Um, do you see basketball that same way in that in its... I don't want to say perfect form, but in its form, it can instruct and guide us in so many ways about life, right? More so than just a direct who wins, who loses, right? In that moment when it is, it's an ecosystem that is working, not perfectly, but working well, right? Because I don't, because perfect isn't a thing, right? But like, it just works really well and gets to an end stage goal.
0: Oh, Gerard, that's such a good question and one that I
1: I think about a lot,
0: especially in relationship to the past, because I think also that, you know, part of me is still like the eight-year-old me who wants to be like the best point guard on a team or something, you know, that wants to be playing in the game (laughs) and a part of the game and like feeling that energy. And so I've recently, and this has been coming up a lot in Belgrade, I've recently been thinking about like what does a past look like when there's no basketball around it? I mean, when there's no like what the concept of a past, the idea of a past, how can I find someone? How can I do a good job of finding people? How can I be a part of this like connection of, or, or, or creating space, as you said, Coach Thorpe, creating space for that, for that person to, to find themselves or whatever it is, you know, finding being a word that I think we can define in different ways. So I think that like Absolutely. in it's perfect, quote unquote, form. Basketball, we can, I want to take things from basketball and like live them. I want to like live basketball as a non-player if possible, you know, and think about, and I think also this goes into like the the mental strength or um, sort of what we were talking about with Kevin Durant being able to adjust easily or, you know, in the last dance when we saw uh, the Bulls playing um, in Utah and Michael Jordan was, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. messing around a lot and was joking around about, like, having a beer before the game but was very much just, like, <laughs> present, very present where he was and very in tune with where he was. And so I think just um, trying to – I'm never going to be able to dunk I'm not going to be able to, you know, do some of these physical things that maybe are so so astounding and so magical to me. But I, I maybe can take some of the ideas of them and I can, like, I can find my own dunk. Um, and I mean, I think, of course, like, you know, we saw that when the NBA shut down at the beginning of COVID, like, that made people take things seriously. And so the NBA has a lot of power. Um, and, and I would say that the WNBA has, has power, too, but not as much. But, like, these professional sports entities can change us uh, for better or for worse. And so that's why it's like, Adam Silver, you're in charge of a lot of shit. Like you can, like the things that you do and the way that you choose to kind of think through things, like that is, you know, um, can can affect us and have impacts that that create, you know, differences for people like way down the food chain.
1: I love that. Coach, the, the, the thing you love saying, that the quote that, that Pop brought up to Kawhi about... Yeah. The goal, the goal of this play is not for you to score. It's for us to score. Yeah. If we can adopt that mentality, right? Like as a, I mean, society is a very big thing, but like as a society, right? Well, it's not necessarily about you scoring, but if we score, like it's better, look, look how much better it is for everybody.
2: Well, think about what Abigail just said, talking about passing. Uh, passing really is about seeing someone. It literally can't happen oh. until you do. You have to see them. So something we do in our courts a lot, more so when I was coaching younger kids. Pro, pros don't need to see here quite as much for me. Um, when when someone would do something good, you you say I see you, and if you say it with conviction, it it carries real meaning. And it's the same thing in a game when you pass to them. You 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 unless you're just throwing it because you have no other options about to turn the ball over, you're passing to them because you see them capital s e e meaning i don't just see you i'm trusting you to take care of this we you know we have lots of names for the egg and the, and the, the golden orb and all these things we call the ball but it is it is everything the basketball is everything to coaches and to players and so i'm giving this to you here you go and i expect you to take care of it and put it to where we need it to go or keep it away from the bad guys sometimes that's what it is too and so that's a very empowering thing when you talk about it from that point of view, and so it's great that you, Abigail, have that—that that eight-year-old point guard is still alive in you, because you value that. You know, yeah, you got you like that. You got you value it. Like, I, I, I want to. I see you here. You go now, carry it forward, or maybe get back to me. Even better, give and go. That's great. Uh, that's the when when Gerard talks about. Uh, pop's quote to Kawhi: the the answer the question was what happened to Kawhi? that was his answer he learned that when we're running a play it's not for him to score it's for us to score well we wrote an article i think it was published yesterday where uh, it's called 100 daps you know, dap, you mm-hmm. know 10, yes, I, of course. okay so um you need much more than just dapping up teammates to really become this amazing team but it's not a bad place to start. In fact, I would argue it's a good place to start. Let's, let's make sure we're just always dapping. Same thing. I see you. I feel you. I'm right here. Same idea. So, Gerard, so in this ideal world that we talk about, which maybe <laughs> basketball people could, we could create it. Uh, our sport is so unique this way. If we want to get to that, which you just described, paraphrasing pop, it might just start with, let's just make sure we keep passing to each other. Like, I, we see you. Here you go. That's how you build into something much bigger. It's uh, not not a bad place to be. And yeah. we are not a we are not five games of one-on-one like the game was in the 80s. This is one game of five on five. And so you've got it's it can't just be about me. It's gotta be about we. And I, I'm attracted to players that come into the league, we focused, and then you have to teach them how to be a little more me focused because. It, this this the game is in a sense a monarchy the kings win so we have yeah. to help you become the king
1: well not, not yeah, the sacramento king not the games, actual yes, yeah.
2: kings. <laughs> <laughs> not the, the king
0: maybe yeah. soon maybe soon yeah, yeah. Uh, or,
2: or, or probably not but oh, we we man. have to we have to the the, the reverse is harder the me player to turn him into a we player i think it's much more challenging not impossible jalen green for houston started to come around anthony edwards definitely seems like he's more of a we guy and that's where coaching and growth and maturity come in. But yeah, i I like the we players like Scotty Barnes is the more, the more classic example and Steph who just get, they get it as good as they are. It's about us. And I, if we all took that approach, I mean, certainly this how we are with our families uh, typically anyway, I, I, my favorite friends as fathers and mothers are people who see their family like, my wife, and I see our family, which is there's nothing we wouldn't do to help our children, and I'm not in competition with them. I don't love those dads that always want to make sure they beat their sons or daughters in horse and think that's somehow good parenting. I, you might be a great parent, but that is not something that I've ever found to be super effective. Um, I'm much more about let's help us, and it's the same thing whether it's society or just a team. It's all, teams are a reflection, of course, of, of the society they're in. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, and I think that you know, art can be a very competitive field as well um, in a different mm-hmm. way uh, maybe than, than sports. But I, I think when I started the podcast, I was also... Hesitant to be engaging with all these other artists that were like my competition in a sense, you know, that they're making work about some of the same things I'm making work about. They're touching on it, um, it maybe in a different way than I am, but like, you know, I was collecting old basketball nuts for a long time. And then like I found I other that. artists that are yeah. doing that too. And then it's like, oh no, like, are we, are we, is there enough room for all of us? And there is enough room. And I think that that was a big sort of maturing period of time for me was to like bring in the other artists and and, and hear about what they're doing. Even if it's like, we both need ladders and pliers and heavy duty scissors for our practice with the raw material, we do other things with them. And even if we're doing the exact same thing, it's just like, there's, there's room and we're having interesting conversations. And so I think that like, that's, that is the win. That's the win. And like, that's been a big, that's been a satisfying part of my, of the podcast for sure, is finding other people who, um, to, to, to feel less intimidated by other people who are doing similar work.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and you know, when you talk about art, obviously, you mentioned the net, which I, I love the collection of the old nets. Um, I think of empty gyms and a single shot of the rim, right? And the stillness there, right? And, and the beauty in that. Do you find when you're doing art, the beauty in the physical form of the player, right? Because we talk about these, these athletes, and like, there's such, you know, if you sit up in the 300 section, you get a poor yeah. <laughs> representation, of what is actually going on. Coach and I, well, coach very more lucky than me because he actually touches them, right? Like in terms of coaching them, but me lucky being in media, being courtside and seeing this Mm. land of giant, giant men. Like that to me from an art, that that is beautiful. That is beautiful art right there. Just being like, whoa, right? I feel like I'm walking into the, into the Duomo and I'm like, whoa, this is (laughs) like, like what the, it's amazing. Totally.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, and I. this is so funny that you said that because the last NBA game I went to was the Grizzlies versus the Suns, and I sat so far away, I was like, who is that and what are they doing? You know, it's like, I could have been at any kind of large, it could have been a circus down there. Like I didn't know what was happening. So I think that, 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 that proximity is set, you know, I think photography often gives us that, you know, these beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. images that are made of, you know, people flying through the air and defying gravity and all of that. Um, but I, I do think that like in it, in and of itself, absolutely is art. And like, can, and that's why I was thinking earlier when I was saying, like, as an artist or this or that, it's like, that is such a, a term that can be used very specifically, but also can embody if we choose to let it like so much. And so, of course, that like the way seeing the players close up, I also saw a Pelicans game a few years ago where I got to sit much closer. <laughs> and um, that was that was thrilling. You know, and made me feel alive. The way that walking into the duomo makes you feel alive, or the way that, um, you know, even I mean, just like different aspects of our culture can like really enrich your experience as a human. Those absolutely that checks that box. That, that's
2: that's yeah. why it's so important that we and we don't do a great job of this. I don't think any sport does. We we want to make the product um, much more uh, available to the average person. Things are so expensive. I saw an article the other day about. baseball game how you're spending your hundreds and hundreds of dollars in many cities my city's not so bad because no one goes to the games but uh when my son was little we went to tambay Rays baseball games because he was a serious baseball player but we would sit 300 level and we could watch the, the we sat right behind home plate uh so literally section 300 is right behind home plate and you could see the shape of the pitch he was a pitcher and and we could see the speed Relative to other speeds, and they put the speed up. I've said this before, I think, in the show once. They put the speed on the scoreboard mm-hmm. and the type of pitch it was. So we would, we would try to guess change-up, curveball, fastball, slider. And we only had to do it – we had an instant because they would put it up there after a second, and then we try to guess the speed. It was super cool. But it didn't look real. But because of where he trained, he had, he had a hitting coach in the offseason, Major League Baseball players, a lot of them live here full-time. They would come work out there. And they had a pitching coach, so some of the world's best pitchers who pitched for the Tampa Bay Rays. One guy's name was James Shields. Not only did he come and pitch, but his daughter was a softball pitcher, so she would train there too. Yeah. But he would throw sometimes, and then you'd see it. I mean, you want to see 100 miles an hour, five feet away from <laughs> it. Way different than 300 level. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the same idea. And I definitely I marvel at the movements. I, I told a player the other day, six foot ten. Seven plus wingspan, very athletic, very agile and fluid, and also a brilliant basketball mind. I told him, "You probably make the NBA if you're six foot two. You may not make max contract. He's a max guy, because six foot two hard, hard to get a max deal at six two. A couple guys do it, um, but your brain process and your athleticism, and all of that still works. Uh, the fact that you can do it at six ten is incredible. There's just yeah that to be able to control your body at that size is just super hard. That's why most of them don't do it." It's re- it takes a lot of work. It takes a you know a lot of dedication. But yeah, uh, I, I've joked before, Abigail. You won't know this, but I've told Gerard at, at maybe maybe ten years ago. So I'm 47 at that point. And I mean, I mean I work out whatever. I try to be in relatively decent shape for an older man. Uh, but I said to one of my players, I was setting a screen for him, and he almost hit me. And now I've been doing this. I've been I've go- I've been, I played basketball for many years and. I've guarded plenty of these guys and screened for him in the workouts. And I said, he's 25 and built like he's on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I used to always say that to him. Uh, if, if you hit me, I'm going to fall apart like Mr. Potato Head. Like eyebrows are coming off, arms are coming off, <laughs> hands. Like that's how I feel now. I feel much more fragile. And I look the way I look compared to you, a world-class athlete. And he just laughed and he made sure he didn't hit me. They know me pretty good at it, but yeah, it's a, it's just a very foreign world to the average person.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's yeah. I, again, it's your point coach. It needs to be accessible for everybody, but I really wish everyone could have that. Every basketball fan to have that experience, see this up close at that speed and watch what it's like running into PJ Tucker on a screen. Not fun. Oh man. Um, (laughs) Like you just, and I could see why guys are like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going through that. Like I, I know that the coach wants you to. Yeah, I know why I'm not fighting through that screen. I don't want to either. Like, that's like running through a fire hydrant. Like, sounds terrible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that um, this goes to my sort of origin story with basketball is that I never wanted anyone to guard me or try to keep me from doing anything or take the ball away from me. So like the on the court experience, besides horse and knockout, ended up being very much like, I just want to watch other people do it. And that like, feels good to me, rather than, you know, having some... Like, I, I can vividly remember, like, leaving the court in tears because someone tried to take the ball from me. And, I mean, you know, in, in <laughs> I, I could have, you know, gone down a different path, and that could have made me more resilient. It turns out it yeah. made me into something else, but that's okay. But I think that just, like, that, that on-the-court experience is is very, you know, and I think that, like, that a responsibility I feel as, like, a, as someone who's not playing or doesn't have a traditional role in basketball is to, like, try to experience the – well, I mean, I'd love to be as close as you sit, Gerard, but also just, like – reading and listening and, and and learning as much as I can because I don't have those tangible experiences to draw and so I feel like I have to like know my shit a little bit with I, I'm forgetting if there's cursing on this podcast or not. You're you're all good. All good.
2: this is this is the cleanest podcast we've ever done. We've done, <laughs> yes, done three hundred
0: I I I mean I was sure of it but then saying it I'm just like this is someone else's space. But yes, I think that like I all feel good. the need to like kind of um, be able to 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 understand the history of the game and like you know players' perspectives, coaches' perspectives, referees' perspectives, like all of this and how it functions. Because I don't have that that live in person sort of experience.
1: Mm. You know, be, being that you're an artist, Abigail, um, who are your favorite NBA artists? So let's play that. That's what, what I was going to ask. That Steve, yeah. my Melco, good Gerard, good. That's what I was going <laughs> to ask. Yeah. I mean, and you can't say Steph. We already, we know that sure. one. That, that, we, yeah. that already counts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, I think so like Jokic inspired me to take like a near to three week trip to Serbia. So I'm here because of Nicole <laughs> Jokic. Like, and he doesn't know who I am, but I'm here, you know, and I was like, should I take an Uber to Sombar, which is like the top. I
1: bet if you did, he would see you. I'm, he, he, he seems like the most like down to earth. He would totally spend time yeah. with you. And I, I, I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know so and you I might, might, might want to take the chance. Right. Yes, I uh um right. Okay, so I maybe should do that. Um I think that so Draymond is a very inspiring figure mm. to me as well and is kind of like I, I think um uh an artist in his own way um, from a the way that he so I think sometimes I when I get stuck in projects it's because I'm like looking too small of a section of something. Maybe I'm not zooming out. And I think Draymond has an ability to like zoom out and see things sort of as they're happening and before they happen and without being the most, graceful of all the players or, you know, every time he takes a jump shot, I'm like yeah. Like maybe not today, you know, or like but I mean and sometimes they're going in and that's great And like I want you know, want him on my team. I know he's like a controversial figure in many ways I appreciate him, but like I I think that like just the way he sees basketball I have to have appreciation for that. Um, the way he sees it for sure um, I like that. Okay. Abigail, yes,
2: he doesn't like looking at himself shoot either <laughs>
0: We have things in common. Maybe I should call yeah. <laughs> him. Yeah. But it's so, when it goes in, it's like, yes, Draymond. I mean, it's just like this ecstatic thing um, because it's just like you never think it's going to happen.
1: Ab- Abigail and every Warriors fan, he put the shotgun, they start cringing. Yeah. they like, oh, God, Draymond, no. Please.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So... I'm trying to think. Um, mm. I mean, what I th-
1: about
2: teams? Is there a team that you enjoy watching more? Besides, I know, and maybe it's because you're from San Francisco, but it's also yeah. they are the oh, most. Oh yeah, they're so great. Offense. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like the the Spurs with um, um, yeah. Tony, Parker Tony and those guys, and Manu yeah. and, <laughs> and Tim Duncan, like, were Tim really Duncan, thrilling yeah. to watch. Um, I think like connections between play, like I. I I like seeing relationships between players. I think that that's one of the reasons that, you know, when I was little, I thought that like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were best friends because they seemed to
1: connect so much on the basketball court. And that was such a beautiful Not thing
0: much. to witness, you know, and then however many, actually that's a pilgrimage I've been meaning to take is because I'm living in Arkansas right now is to go to Scottie Pippen's hometown. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's connections. You will connections, learn a lot
1: about Scottie going there. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Yeah.
0: Um, so I think that like yeah, the fine. way that players connect to one another is also kind of its own little, I mean, and, and, you know, as an artist who's tried to work collaboratively with other artists and sometimes that's worked out effectively, it's like, that's also something that I think is really, um, sort of beautiful or engaging to see.
1: So here's a question for you, because we're on this artists, and we're on, you know, best friends. These two, I would say are for sure artist brain, though. I would say Kyrie's probably full artist, whereas katie has mm. got some scientists and some mm. artists. How do you see? And and, and but then, and then from an artist standpoint, they are what we would probably consider the tortured artists, right? That's that's because of just to- the volatility torture, or what, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Whatever else you want you want to call it. So how do you see that dynamic?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that like I, I, this also feeds into this idea of like sort of. Artists often, you know, we sort of complain about that no one cares about what we're, we're doing. And in the case of Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like people care too much about what they're doing like, it, or, and they care too much about what other people care about. So I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of self-consciousness there, I would say, that that comes through in how the game is executed um, and I don't think that we have seen them play together long enough in order to like celebrate them as a duo necessarily I don't know I mean I, and I don't know if I get to make that decision <laughs> as far as but I just think Sorry, that, that you chemistry or like how they sort of you know I think that sort of what was exciting about the Spurs and exciting about, you know, Michael and Scotty, no matter what maybe was happening off the court was that they're like sort of evolution alongside of each other and this like coming up together. And I think that's exciting about the Warriors as well, although with new players um, in the mix, but it was so beautiful seeing uh, uh, Andre Godalla coming off the bench, like late in the game and knowing that he had been a part of that for so long and like knowing those relationships. So, I mean, I also think John Morant is is a total creative genius um, and can obviously do things with his body that he might not be able to do. Uh, I don't know for how long he in, can do in them. In
1: two weeks.
2: In
0: two weeks.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. One, one more today. crash. Yeah. We, we, we are very Team Grizzlies here, as you know, yes. and that is like the, I worry about that constantly.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so, I mean, I think that's some, like he's so dynamic, but it is it is this thing where I feel like with watching play, watching teammates play together and being inspired by those teammates feels like something that I can try and embody in my own life when I see John Morant like, flying through the air, all different directions parallel to the ground, I'm like, I can't do that. I can't relate really to that. That's not a thing that I can figure out an art version of necessarily, because that's not, you know. So I think that that's sort of a uh, an interesting um, dynamic there.
2: So let me ask you this, Abigail. I know we're not that much, much time left, but Draymond was talking the other day on JJ Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three, mm-hmm. and he was saying that, how how um symbiotic, he didn't use that word, but uh, the media and the NBA players really are in terms of their relationship that that, that as, in media we need them, but they need the media too. Uh-huh. Like, otherwise no one knows what's going on in the games and, no, and, and so he understands that. he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily like the adver, the, adverse, the adversarial relationship that mm-hmm. exists often, although he's part of it, and he knows it. Now that he's in the media, I think he sees it maybe a little different perspective. But uh, I'm curious uh, because the world, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with most of the people in media. I've been doing this since 2007 when I joined ESPN. And, and I have my own, I, don't, I, I really just try to pay attention to transactions and on-court stuff. But you're in such a different space than me. So uh, who, who in media inspires you? Who do you feel like, I need to, when a podcast drops, so oh, I have to hear that podcast. You see an article comes out. I need to read that that article. Is there anyone or, or group uh, that that does that for you, and maybe the, you, the friends that you have uh, that, that you know like the NBA?
0: Well, now I'm going to turn into a fan girl a bit because one of those podcasts is bring it in. I have to say, let's <laughs> go! That- I didn't know that was coming.
2: <laughs> let's go! Oh, That's I, fine. I thought you were Ding. setting me up
0: for that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I
2: did not expect that.
0: So I have a, I think, I mean, I. I used to enjoy watching clips of first take and things like that. And I, I now find that type of um, take or takings really exhausting mm-hmm. to listen to because yeah. there's always something to be outraged about or overwhelmed by. And it's like the same thing that how that works in our sort of regular news cycle. Like, can you believe this? Always, always, always. And so yeah, I think right, that right. like, I appreciate this sort of slow unpacking. And some of it I might, you know, understand more than others. But that's something that... Um, I really appreciate about bringing it in is kind of like this more nuanced approach that and also things being revisited and I just am not very good at takes I'm not very good at having a quick response to something I mean I think there's some things that are very black and white where it's easy to say what side you come down on perhaps but I think that like I'm that's not the type of way that my brain works and I don't know if that's always how like good art is sometimes made is like um, the, the quick response, even though you train maybe for the quick response, but just having everything figured out so quickly. Um, I do listen to Zach Lowe uh, quite a bit. And I, and I, you know, that's how I found out about the book Boomtown um, by Sam Anderson, yeah. which was like when mm-hmm. he came on my podcast, that was a really big deal because he basically the way that he explored place through the Oklahoma City Thunder and the history of Oklahoma City is like how I visit places. I'm just not writing a book at the end, <laughs> <laughs> or no one's paying me to if I do. So I think that like I appreciate the 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 sort of way that um, Zach Lowe kind of has brought in people that are not just um, sort of like. I mean, he does focus on like media personalities and 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 sort of from a traditional sense, but also bringing in people that. Um, that are uh, sort of looking at things differently, and I've really, really appreciated that. Um, so those are those are two of them. There, um, I listened to Burn It, the Burn It All Down podcast as well, which fo- <clears throat> focusing on on um, women's sports. Um, um, yeah.
2: Do you I watch? Like that, do you watch watch a lot of women's sports?
0: Yes, I do, and I actually have been the um, play-by-play announcer for the softball team at the college where I'm working, um, oh, as well as funny. the timekeeper for the women's basketball team, which has been a really wonderful way. I I guess I've learned the hard way that like play-by-play announcing is an art as well. <laughs> and like, no matter how many right. baseball games I listened to growing up, uh, this uh, you know when once you get in the booth, you're gonna say a lot of shit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um so I mean I think that I uh I can't help the fact that I grew up and was like my a lot of my formative years around basketball I was most interested in the men's game and you know when I said that the WNBA was um not as powerful before that's kind of like a cultural currency that I think the NBA yeah. carries that but I would not say that the WNBA is is not powerful or that like you know on different it, right. levels and
2: it's coming absolutely it's better absolutely absolutely Um, So I
0: think that, like, in general, a lot of my history with basketball is tied to that. But I try as much as possible to support and show up and um, engage with both, um, like, you know, artists uh, making work about women's sports and also, um, you know, queer, non-binary, LGBTQ uh, issues on sports. I have... been sort of in a partnership with this organization or this um, group called New Craft Artists in Action, which is a take on NCAA um, and it's headed up um. by Maria Moltini, an artist based in Boston who paints, uh, who basically has like spearheaded the basketball mural scene and started doing this wow. back in 2010. so cool. Uh, and also... Uh, so has organized groups of people to paint these courts often with, cl- I mean, collaboration in the local community is a big part of that, as well as making nets like, you know, it has a whole DIY book about making nets for um, for basketball, making homemade nets out of T-shirts, crocheting, knitting, like finding different materials to make your own net. Um, so the, this, again, is one of those things where it's like at first I was like, "Whoa, this work is so cool and I'm not doing anything as cool as that. And now I'm like, oh, I get to be a part of it, too. So that the the beauty in that. <laughs> As well, so and that and that 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 um, group is really centered on like making space in sports for for queer people, for non-binary people, for the LGBTQ community, and women who might not have felt welcome in certain sports spaces. So I think that that is a really um, beautiful thing that I I um, enjoy being a part of.
1: Awesome! That is awesome. Yeah, really, really incredible. Well, Abigail, we have to thank you for hosting the show today. You did an amazing job thank you so much for joining us and we're gonna definitely have to uh have you on again and share more things as the season goes on I know you're feeling good because with the Warriors you just won a title so you're coming off you know you're you're feeling real good about right you got a little (laughs) you're you're feeling real good yeah
0: I feel pretty good yeah (laughs) I mean I also think this just wasn't expected I mean I wanted to win in 2017 and 2018 but like this just felt really good and they came you know the Celtics were good and then the warriors were kind of falling behind and it just was like damn we did this so special
1: and the future's looking bright yeah, yeah. you got just- i mean you're right it's looking like you can win now still and as time goes on as, as Joey, as Joey Lacob says, light years ahead, right? It looks like you guys are really light years ahead. Yeah,
0: I mean, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of the ownership, ownership group necessarily, but they do know how to put together a basketball team. And I am excited about that, but there's, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Listen, as, as you know, on this show, we are anti-the capitalist machine. However, if you put together a good sports franchise, we will look past <laughs> things, right? Shout out to Steve Cohen, who runs the Mets. Terrible billionaire, but my team's playing good baseball, so I'll laugh. <laughs> yeah, we, I can do both.
0: I can critique this. I can enjoy that, yeah.
1: Exactly. See, we, we can make both things happen. Folks, thank you as always for joining us. little bit of housekeeping for you. There'll be no Bring It In next week as... We all need a much-needed vacation, so we're going to spend some time with our families, chilling out a little bit, enjoying, well, hopefully enjoying the weather. You know, we got some issues going on with global warming, but be that as it may. um, Enjoying the weather, get some R&R. We'll be back uh, in the first week of August with some more of these awesome guests hosting the show. So until next time, take care.
0: Thanks so much.